The second is like it. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, you know, even the Pharisees told Jesus, well said, teacher, when, when he said that. They, they, they agreed with him. Yet the greater understanding of those two commands, because it's so easy to say, I love God, but the real test when you understand Scripture in its entirety is there's only one way to prove your love for God, and it's in our love for one another. We can make all of these gen general statements, but it's only through a born-again experience, a filling with the Holy Spirit, that we're even to be able to come close to understanding what it is that God wants us to do, how he wants us to love. But the evidence of our faith has to be in our love for each other. So it's with that that Peter begins in verse 22 of our text, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another. That's really what it's all about. Now, at first glance, it looks like Peter's being kind of redundant right here. I mean, since you have love, then go ahead and love. But I want you to allow this to unfold in your minds for just a few minutes and really see what's going on here. And the first time he uses the word love in this passage, he kind of gives us a broad stroke. And he says, a love for the body, for the brethren, for the church. In other words... You love by association. <laughs> yeah, you're a Christian. You're, you go to, go to church together with people. You love those people. But then he takes it a step further, and he says, since you love with this general by association kind of love, then love each one of them. See, easy to make generalized statements, but then you have to boil it down to this. That means I have to love you. And I have to love you. And I have to love you and you and you. That's what it's all about. And there's a major problem with that. And that problem is people are hard to love. <laughs> there's a reason absence makes the heart grow fonder. <laughs> I really like Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set your foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. <laughs> I just saw some looks like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. Uh, I like this quote. All the world is mad, but thee and me, and sometimes I wonder about thee. Yeah, there, there you go. See, I'm hard to love, and I have a hunch you are hard to love as well. Life would be a whole lot easier. Church would be a whole lot easier if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> I think we can agree with this. I like Mark Twain, what he said. He said, most people are bothered by those passages in the Bible which they can't understand. But as for me, I always notice that the passages in the Scripture which trouble me the most are those which I do understand. Yeah! I mean, we get so caught up in trying to understand it all when we're not even practicing the stuff we do understand. And have you noticed in the body there's a tendency to always look for some new revelation of truth? Yeah. Well, we'd be far better served if we would just be about doing the things that we already understand. Yeah. Don't get caught up with the things you don't. And love absolutely would be one of those. But 
we're all flawed. We're all messed up. We're all disappointments. And, and that makes it really hard for us to love. God knew that when he called us to love. In fact, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And yet he still loves us, even offering his greatest sacrifice of love in the midst of us failing. The miracle of love, that's it. That's what we're called to. We're called to the, the miracle to love. It's a love that exceeds all the flaws, all the failures, all the disappointments to love warts and all. It's being empowered to love this way. See, there's no perfect mate out there. But somehow, by the grace of God, I've got this woman who somehow keeps loving me. <laughs> there's no perfect church, but somehow, by, by the grace of God, I'm going to celebrate and love the church that I've been called to. And, and there are no perfect people, <laughs> but somehow, by the grace of God, I'm going to love you. And I hope you'll love me. That's the miracle of love. And, and that's really what this is about today. But there's something else going on here. So now I want to kind of go just a notch deeper with all of this. It's this idea that Peter isn't repeating himself. In fact, you may or may not know this. It's something that comes up quite often. We have one word for love that if you look at the original language of the Greek, what you find are three words that all translate in the English love. If you look at the Hebrew, there's actually four words that translate into the English love. And by us only having one word, we don't get the, the, the full idea, the full thought of what's taking place here. And in our scripture today, there's actually two different words for love that Peter is using. The first one is phileo, from which we get uh, Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. And the second one is agape, which is a miracle God kind of love. And so what Peter is saying right here is, since we have sincere love for the brethren, let's take it a step further and let's exercise fervent agape for each one of them. <laughs> so the first word in the, uh, in the uh, original language, phileo, expresses the in entire thought. It's, it's brotherly love or love for the brethren. So you see that four words, love for the brethren, all expressed in the simple word phileo or Philadelphia. The second word is actually two words because the main word is modified by an adverb. So it says, let us agape fervently, which means constantly. So Philadelphia, love by association. I love you because you're family. I love you because you're a friend. I love you because you're a fellow believer. But the second word, this God kind of love, is the will to love. It's a transformational love that becomes a, a part of it. I choose to love you because I take pleasure in you. I choose to love you because I have the will to love you. I choose to cherish you. I would lay down my life for you because it's what's going on inside of me. Not because you deserve it, but because of something greater going on to in me that causes me to will to love you. See, the first is conditional love by association. The second is unconditional. It's a decision. I'm going to love 
period. Nothing you will ever do will ever do or say will ever change that. That's a God kind of love. It's the kind of love that we must be empowered to love. It's the kind of love that we see in verses like Romans 5.8. In fact, when they were singing earlier, before Jamie got up, I just wanted to get up and start quoting, quoting love scriptures. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We love because God loved us. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loveth is born of God. He that loveth not does not know God, for God is love. Behold what manner of love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the very children of God. And that is what we are. And I just want to get up in one of those verses right here. God demonstrates his own agape own unconditional love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were unlovable, God was constantly loving us. While we were rebelling against us, God was constantly loving us and making his greatest sacrifices of love on our behalf. And this is the way God wants to empower us to love one another. Somehow, it's in me. The will to love you I realize you fail. I realize you disappoint. I realize that, that you can betray, but there's something greater going on in me that will love you, period. It's an amazing, amazing. Now, it doesn't mean that I just let everything go because sin is very real. It has to be dealt with. It costs God his own son, but overriding all that is the motivation for the sacrifice, and that is this great, powerful love of God. All right, so you see here, uh, we started off, two words of love. It's not redundant, right? One is a general statement, love by association, then it narrows down, then it means we're supposed to love each one. Actually, we begin to see it through two different words, phileo, right? Love for the brethren, agape, the will to love, a miracle kind of love that is unconditional, but it gets better. It gets even better, so let's go a step further with this truth. This was written by Peter, Simon Peter, the Apostle Peter, you know, the guy who said, even if I'll fall away, Lord, I will never fall away. Yet that very night, he denied Jesus not once, but three times, even cursing his very name. This is the guy that's writing this. And this is a guy who heard Jesus say, if you're ashamed of me before man, I will be ashamed of you when I come into my Father's glory. This is that guy that we're, we're talking about. And praise God, this isn't the end of Peter's story. It isn't the end of your story. It isn't the end of my story because we've all failed God, right? And glory to God, this is where his amazing grace kicks in because after Jesus went to the cross, after he rose from the dead, he had one of these amazing moments with Peter. And, and he asks him three questions. The, f the first two, he, he repeats himself. And then the second one, he, he, he adjusts it just a little bit. And his question is, Peter, do you agape me? Do you agape me? Peter, do you choose to love me as an act of your will? Peter, do you love me to the point that you would lay down your life for me? And Peter seems to dodge the question a little bit here. I mean, 
Can, can you blame him? He's already failed the Lord once. He doesn't want to fail the Lord again. So when he answers the question, he doesn't quite answer it the way Jesus asked it. Now, just, just a side note here. To me, this indicates that Peter's now a broken man that he's deeply dependent on God because he was once a wild horse that needed to be broken. And in the past, if Jesus had said, Peter, do you agape me? Peter would have shot back, no problem. Lord, absolutely, I agape you. But he's not so sure right now. He doesn't want to have to live up to another promise that he's bound to fail. So what he says is, yes, Lord, you know I phileo you. I I love you by association, but I'm not sure I'm at a place where I can make this unconditional commitment. So Jesus asked him a second time as if to say, you know, I'm not sure you got the question, Peter. The question was, Peter, do you agape me? Do you love me without condition? Would you lay down your life for me? And again, Peter says, Lord, you know, I I phileo you. So Jesus asked a third time. Now, think of it, three times. How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. And in the restoration, Jesus brings this question up a a third time, but this time he's willing to come down to Peter's level. That's right. He changes the question. Instead of asking for a commitment Peter's not sure he can live up to, like, Peter, do you agape me? He asks, Peter, do you phileo me? (laughs) Yeah. Peter's grieved. Why would Jesus keep pushing this question? And he comes back and he says, yes, Lord, You know all things. You know I phileo you. And then Jesus gives us two words that we all need to remember because if we're ever going to experience agape coming out of our lives, this is the only way it's going to happen. He says to Peter, follow me. (laughs) It's in following Jesus. It's in abiding in Jesus that we have any possibility of bearing this kind of fruit. Because the truth is, we cannot love God with the kind of love we need to love God with in our own strength. We can't love each other with the kind of love that we need to love each other with and the kind of love we need to be experiencing on our own strength. We cannot, we cannot do it unless God is empowering us to do so. So Jesus ends this conversation with Peter. He says, follow me. Somewhere along the way, here we are. We're studying the epistle, uh, first epistle of Peter. Somewhere along the way, something must have happened in Peter because right here he's writing to us in his epistle, you've been given phileo, you've been given this brotherly love, so take a step further and by an act of your will, depending on the supernatural power of the Spirit working in your life, agape fervently. (laughs) Rely on God to love with this kind of love. Uh, Rely on God to empower you to love the way you're supposed to love. Empower, uh, rely on God to empower you with a love that works no matter what, a kind of love that would actually bring us to a place of laying down our lives for one another. So let's just walk through some application right here. Would you lay down your life for Jesus? Would you lay down your life for God? How do you know? Peter said he would and he didn't. How do you know? Would you lay down your life for God's people? The church? Not sure. It's really what we're called to. 
And if you say yes, how do you know? Peter thought he could, and he couldn't. Is the love that you profess simply a love by association, kind of a social love, or does it go much deeper than that? Is it something that the Holy Spirit is stirring in you that's changing your will? Because, friends, we tend to have a fickle kind of love. We profess this love, yet we're jumping from uh, church to church in, in America all the time, you know, looking for some greater love or some better love or s- some better experience. We tell each other in our relationships, you know, I'll love you until I stop loving you. I'll love you as long as it feels good. I'll love you as, as, as long as you make me happy. I could go on and on with these kind of statements. But what we need is a miracle kind of love because the truth is we're all in need of this very kind of unconditional love. We're all messed up. We're all broken. And we need someone who will love us anyway. That's right. So Peter goes on. He even describes for us how we're supposed to be empowered to love this way. Notice at verse 22, he says, Since you have purified your soul, since you've been made right with God, in obeying the truth, it's Jesus. Jesus is the truth. In obeying God's word coming alive in you, Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So this has come alive in you through the truth. But he goes on and he says, purified souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit. So we put our faith in Jesus. We put our faith in the truth. God fills us with his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who begins to empower us to love the way we're supposed to love. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. <laughs> a number of years ago, there was a guy, a guy I really care about and love, and I still run into him, a scientist. We have a number of scientists who, who come to church here, but this particular guy was a skeptic of the faith, and, and I knew it. Uh, he came, uh, and I'm glad he was here, but one of his last times here, he, he said something that kind of I'll never forget. I, I'd been preaching on the, the two greatest commands. And so after church, he, he comes by and, and he says, so that, that's all I need to do, right? I mean, if I can just love the Lord my God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength and love my neighbor as myself, I really don't need to know anything else, do I? I mean, I really don't even need Jesus, do I? And I said to him, you know, that's probably true. But there's a major problem. It's our failure to be able to love this way that proves how desperately we need a Savior. And, and that's what we need to hear today. It, it's our failure to love the way that God wants us to love that proves our need for a Savior. So right now, let's just stop for a moment here. And just with you and God, just Take some time and, and practice spiritual breathing. I, I, this idea of spiritual breathing has just been part of the teaching here lately, and it's where I'm at. So let's just practice spiritual breathing. Begin by exhaling. Exhaling is confession. Agree with God about what he already knows. Lord, I realize that I need to love the way you love me. And I realize that I fail. I agree with you, Lord. Exhale. And then inhale. Just by an act of your will, 
Surrender this area of your life to Christ. Let him take the throne of your life, empowering you with his Holy Spirit, trusting him to be the source of love that you need to be loving with. Exhale. Inhale. See, I hope if one thing is clear this morning to all of us, it's that the kind of love that God calls us to is contrary to our fleshy human nature. It, it doesn't come naturally to us. And, and that's why Peter here takes some time to talk about us being restored to the heavenly to our Heavenly Father. It takes time to talk about the, the foundation of, of our faith. I mean, we could argue that we just don't come from very loving families or that we're not very good at loving or that we don't have time to love or we're too busy dealing with our own stuff uh, to, to, to be able to love, just all this going on. But here's the truth, and hear it loud and clear. The kind of love that Peter is calling us to, this is your greatest purpose. And if life is coming up empty, I would challenge you to consider this very thing. Failure to love with agape love is to the very point of your, exist of your existence. So it goes on here. I mean, this is a guy, uh, well, let me just back up a minute, taking us back to this, this friend, this scientist who came up after the service and, and was defending himself. If I can just love with these, in these two ways, love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, love my neighbor as myself, this is all I need to do, right? But he's missing another major part of this because somehow he was missing the piece that says there's there's, there's really a directive in who it is we're supposed to love. And that, that directive is God's people. And, and if we say we love the way God wants us to love, but we're not loving the church, then we're missing the whole point of it. I mean, didn't Jesus say a new commandment? I give you that you agape, that's the word, one another as I have agaped you, that you also agape one another by this. Will all men know that you are my disciples? I was meditating on that. And uh, you, you have to wonder, you know, you th think about it. And, and oftentimes I say, oh, this is how we prove to the world that we're truly Christians by our love for one another. And then it occurred to me that there's a, a flip side to this, that someday all men will give an account. And the basis of their account, their argument might be, well, I didn't see enough evidence of God. And then all of a sudden it will occur to them, wait a minute, I did see that love in some, somebody. Whoa, right? This By this, prove that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So, so consider this a moment. If the only evidence that you're truly a Christian is your love for God's people, the church, then what does your present attitude toward the church say about your faith? And just let God speak that word into you. I hope that if this does anything for us, it causes us to realize how deeply we need him at work in our lives. I hope it doesn't stir a spirit of determination. I'm going to do this. But instead, Lord, I need your help. I hope that's what this does.
So Peter goes on now to describe why we're supposed to love here. And taking us back to verse 23, we see some things we have in common. He says, we're born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever because, and then he goes over to Isaiah 40, and he gives us a reminder of just how short life is. He says, every one of us is like the grass of the field. Even at best, we're like the flowers that pop up in the grass. The grass withers and its flowers, flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. So there's a whole list of things we have in common. You and I share the same Savior. You and I have the same Heavenly Father. You and I take our orders from the same commander. We share a common hope of future glory, of living together in a much better place. We have a common message to take to a broken world that says God is in the business and is busy and about right now reconciling sinful people like you and me to himself. We have all of this in common, a common faith that the way God is reconciling people to himself is through his son Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. And since we have all of this stuff in common, here's five things we shouldn't do in the midst of difficulties doing life on planet Earth or trying to do life together in a fellowship or, or even in a family where we're all broken and messed up. And what are those five things? Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby if you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. <laughs> get past the fighting and get back to the truth. All right. So, I'm thinking about this. Desire pure milk. And I'm thinking about parenting. I'm thinking about uh, the wisdom that parenting brings, you know, and, and some of that wisdom you wish you didn't know as a parent. Yeah. And, and one of the things that, that came to mind was a baby's diapers. Yeah, because I will never forget that when a little baby is nursing, that little guy's diapers don't stink. In fact, they smell kind of sweet. And, and I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, all are strange, say, thee and me, and sometimes I wonder about thee, right? <laughs> no, but, but hear me out on this. A baby that's nursing is receiving pure milk. And then, of course, it, it makes you go further than that. I wonder if prior to sin if we humans stunk at all, because we are stinky creatures, right? And it's not until that little baby gets off of the pure milk of its mother that everybody in the house knows there's somebody else living there. It, it's the truth. And so what Peter calls us to right here, he calls us to becoming newborn babies. He calls us to desire the pure milk of God's word. He says, if you've tasted the graciousness of the Lord, then stay on that milk. Why? Because anything less than that is impure, and it causes us to stink. And what do our stinky diapers smell like? 
<laughs> well, he says right here, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and evil speaking. Remember who Peter's talking to here? He's talking to the persecuted church, and he's saying, persecuted church, we need each other. We have all of these things in common, so let's stop all the inward fighting. Let's stop all the bickering, because we are not the enemy. Instead, let's focus on the truth. Let's focus on our mission. Let's be in the Word. Let's be concerned about others, because everything else stinks. Andrew Jackson seventh president of the United States. Before taking office of president, he was a commander for the Tennessee militia. During the war of 1812, his soldiers had reached an all-time low. Morale was down. A critical spirit came in amongst them. There was division. There was fighting. There was all kinds of trouble. And so one day, Jackson pulled the troops together, and he simply said, Gentlemen, let's remember the enemy is over there. Church, it's a good reminder. We need each other. By this will all men know you are my disciples, right? Not by your church attendance. Not by even prayer. Oh, my goodness. Not by your expressiveness. Not by your passion. Not by your disciplines. But how? By your love. For one another. So how would you honestly assess yourself in this area? Are you growing in this area? Are you satisfied in this area? Do you even register on the meter in this area? Is this an area of your life that you're willing to say, Lord, I surrender to you this area. I realize I need your help here. And then let's take it a step further because the generalized statement, phileo, is corporate love, you know, love by association. But let's hone in a little bit. Is there a believer that you have conflict with, that you need to go and make things right? Can you surrender that to the Holy Spirit, even to the point that you begin blessing that person, praying for their prosperity, their fruitfulness, and their success? That's what the Word is saying today to us. Next week, we want to talk about living stones, committing to a life of Christ-likeness. But right now, let's just take a moment, and let's consider where we are in this area of agape. You've loved by association. Now love each one continually, fervently, with an unconditional love. But I can't do it. I need your help, Lord. I surrender this area. Love for the body, really? Church? Common mission, really? We are the family 
Yes, we are the family of God, and he's brought us together to be one in him, that we might bring light to the world. Okay, you got to put your Arlo voice on. you got to help me out. The song's way retro, but I think it says it great. We are the family of God. Yes, we are the family of God. And he's brought us together to be one in him, that we might bring light to the world. Go make disciples of all lives. Go show them my way is true. Tell them the wonderful story that they might be one in me too. We are the family of God. Yes, we are the family of God. And he's brought us together to be one in him, that we might bring light, that we might bring light, that we might bring light to the world. Yeah. Yeah. God help me to love. Help us to love. Yeah. Yeah. I th maybe we should just kind of look at each other and say, <laughs> I don't know what to say, but I just need us to look at each other. Can you guys look at each other? Just look at each other. And you can laugh. It's good. Can you really love these people? Do you need God's help in loving these people the way we're supposed to? Can we be a body? Yeah. That's the beginning of so much. It's cool. Fellowship, definition of fellowship. Anybody know my favorite definition of fellowship? I've said it enough. Where to go? Jamie, did you say that? Two fellows in the same ship. Yep. If it's a clear day, we enjoy it together. If it's a stormy day, we suffer through it together. If the ship's going down, we're going down together. Right? If we're successful in hauling a load, we share the victory together. Yep. We're together. Same ship. You know, uh, I'm going to invite our prayer partners to come. We have a prayer place over here. We have a prayer spot back here. These guys love to pray with folks. Maybe today it's very interesting to me how the Spirit leads. If today you realize you need a Savior in Jesus Christ, call on his name, and he'll meet you right where you are. Okay? It's a turning. It's saying, I've been going life my way, doing it my way. Lord, I'm turning around. I want to be about you. I want to learn to do life your way, becoming a disciple of his. Let him draw you, and you can come, and these guys would be glad to hear that. The people you're with, of course, would be, always be glad to pray with you and uh, share with you. But I'm going to invite the praise team to come, and let's continue, and uh, let's bring this thing to a close together. <laughs>